0: This hour, as host Mike Abadir and co-host Gino Bacola talk to the experts, celebrities, and figures from the worlds of sports and business of sports. We cover the NFL, baseball, basketball, soccer, and horse racing, so we have all of the bases covered. Now, we just need your participation. Here is your host, Mike Abadir. Welcome to the Mike
1: Abadir Show. This is your host, of course, Mike Abadir. Today's thursday october 13th 2022 which means that we are smack dab in the middle of the mlb playoffs the nfl week six and there's nobody better to talk sports about in my life than the man himself pop dibiase pop i know you've had a a difficult few days but we're happy to have you on how are you doing my man
2: you know what man i'm better because i'm here with you brother and you know it's it's a good time to get away from, you know, thinking, you know what I mean? So I thank you very much for uh, inviting me in on the show. And I know that we talked earlier this week and I was very adamant on being here. I'm glad I'm here with you today.
1: My pleasure. Always good to have you on with us. And if we could maybe just uh, distract you and the fam for an hour or so. Um, we'll, we'll be playing a small little part. Um, with that said, we're in the middle of some really good playoff series is as we're speaking right now, the Astros got the last out to go up two games to none on the Mariners. We'll break that down. Obviously when we get our first guest of the show, Kyle Glazer from baseball America, but overall baseball delivers in the postseason, man. Yes. I mean, that's the one consistent thing year in year out. And I think, even though baseball's got a lot of traditionalists and a lot of tradition i think one of the constants about baseball is that even though they've tweaked the playoff format a little bit it's action-packed every single pitch is meaningful every single at bat is meaningful you know if you're the pitcher missing maybe your location on one or two pitches can make the difference for the entire series You know, and we've we've seen that with maybe some of the lower scoring games, the teams that have got really good pitching that are carried by their pitching, or even teams like Cleveland, you know, literally one pitch has made all the difference in the world. It's it's really amazing. And and I think that's what makes baseball so great in the postseason is the matchups and every single at bat, every single pitch. You might be setting up the hitter for the next at bat. The hitter might be setting up the pitcher for the for it for about later during the game but overall there's nothing really that compares in my mind to the baseball playoffs because you know one and done is great in football but to have a series the strategies the matchups i live for this man so october is a great month and you know i was telling you in terms of guests pop there's there's three guys that since i've started doing this show that truly deliver the best analysis in my mind that's eno saris jerry harrison jr who covers the dodgers but he played everywhere he's got contacts everywhere he has insight into so much and then our guest here which is kyle glazer for baseball america those are the three that to me have been the best guests on our show and always appreciate having Kyle on during playoff season and uh, usually right before the season starts and usually right smack dab at the beginning or in the middle of the playoffs. Kyle, you're on with Mike and Pop. How are you, bud?
3: Good, good. I appreciate the, uh, the intro. Thanks for the kind words.
1: Absolutely. So we're, uh, we're going to make use of your time here, talk baseball playoffs. But before we get to that, I wanted to ask you a question just in terms of Otani and judge and MVP discussion. I heard somebody on the, on the radio the other day on one of the national talk shows was making the analogy of like Lamar Jackson from the Ravens leading the league in touchdown passes and leading the league in rushing. And I was kind of like, that's really not even a good analogy. It's decent, but it would really be more like leading the league in sacks and then leading the league in touchdown passes you You know what i mean, and when you when you think about it from that perspective at how many categories Otani is top five in pitching and in hitting it almost makes it where it's practically impossible for anybody else to be the m v p unless you break the all time American league home run record- Just some quick thoughts from you about that
3: yeah, look, we witnessed two of the greatest single seasons of all time this year aaron judge hitting sixty two home runs, not just doing that finishing within five points of the batting crown, and and with that, a triple crown. Uh, Led the majors in eight different categories. And, oh, by the way, did all of it while moving to play center field primarily for the Yankees this year. Then you look at Shohei Otani. I mean, for anyone to be top 10 in the majors in both OPS and ERA, as he was, um, to have, you know, 30-plus homers and also be top three in strikeouts per nine, it, it boggles the mind. Players are not supposed to exist that are able to be talented enough to do both at the level of Major League Baseball. Um, ultimately, for me, I, I do not have an AL MVP vote this year. I have a National League Rookie of the Year vote. Um, but if I did have an AL MVP vote, I, I would ultimately give it to Aaron Judge. Um, just looking at the totality of what he did this year in terms of you know what he did for that Yankees team, let's just be frank, the offense really scuffled for a lot of the year. He carried that team and put it on his back. The reason the Yankees are the American League East Division champions is because of the work Aaron Judge did. Uh, and they needed every bit of his historic season. What he did hitting for average, hitting for power, what he did defensively, um, which is so incredibly remarkable. And that's not to take anything away from Shohei Otani. Ultimately, though, when a guy leads the league in eight different categories, as, as Aaron Judge did, it's hard to not give it to him.
1: Totally agree with you there. I know Pop is chomping at the bit to talk some baseball playoffs here. Where do you want to start, Pop?
2: Man, we can start right here, right now, if you guys can hear me. Hold on. But, yeah, we can start right here, right now, with the Braves and the Phillies, man. 1-1 in that series. And I think that um, this one right here is a tricky one because the Braves could easily be up 2-0 when you look at the series. And the Braves put themselves in a bad position in that spot because they, because they, sorry about that, um, because they, the Braves, you know, got a little cute, got a little cocky, and they pretty much went ahead and had themselves, you know, a blown game there. But now, since you gotta go to Philadelphia, now advantage to Philly. Last time Philadelphia and Atlanta met up in a playoff series and they went to Philadelphia, the Phillies didn't lose. This was 1993 when the Phillies went to the World Series. So my thing is like this. The Braves have to win game three right away. They have to set the uh, bar very early in the series to to make sure that they're going to move forward and do exactly what they got to do to get to defending their title or – you know, be left at or be left behind because I think that the Phillies are a team just like the Nationals a few years ago. You hit your stride at the right time and now you're hot in the playoffs. And I think this is this is where the Braves have to make sure they don't get caught up in that. That's they don't get caught up in that.
3: Well I think one thing to keep in mind is I think from the outside looking in it's very easy to look at it and say, hey, Braves are the defending champions. They've had the best record in baseball since June first. And they won the East very, you know, very handily, at least over the Phillies. I mean, they, they beat the Mets for, it, but the Phillies are the third place team in the division. The Braves were way ahead of them. Um, and you'd say, yeah, this should be a pretty easy series for the Braves. But you dive a little deeper, and then I wrote about this for us at Baseball America. The Phillies have actually played the Braves tough all year. Uh, the Braves won the season series only 11 to 8, which is a lesser margin than the Astros uh, against the Mariners or the Dodgers against the Padres this year in terms of the other inter-division matchups. And the Braves only outscored the Phillies 88-85. to 85. They only scored them by, outscored them by three runs over the course of 19 games. Um, so the Phillies have played the Braves tough all year. So I actually think this was a matchup that uh, if you go deeper, you saw this was not going to be an easy series for the Braves. This was not going to be a sweep. This was not going to be, you know, hey, get in, get out, move on to the NLCS. Um, the Phillies taking game one from them was certainly impressive the way they held on. and Look, they're in a good spot. Obviously, the Braves, you give them credit for coming back and winning game two with Zach Wheeler on the mound. That's not an easy matchup for anyone. Um, I think this is a series that, that was always destined to go four or five just because, again, when you dove a little deeper, the Phillies have played the Braves tough all year. They're very, very familiar with them. They're not intimidated by them. And uh, it's the recipe for a really good, tight, ten series.
1: Yeah, hey, I want to move over to the American League Kyle. And when I look at this Cleveland Yankees matchup, you know, it's to me, it's it's pitching versus power, you know, just being very general about it. Mother Nature obviously is uh, is playing, an, you know, a role by uh, the, today's rain out or I assume it's rain, inclement weather either way. What does it mean to each team that they may have to play three days in a row now? Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. Of course, there are some if necessary games that I'm mentioning. But, you know, the Yankees obviously left Chapman off their playoff roster in terms of bullpens and things of that nature. How does that play into effect? And how do you see, see this series kind of shaping, shaping out now that they have to go, uh, you know, I guess, actually, excuse me, four days in a row, right? It would be uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday.
3: Yeah, well I think the fact that there's a rain out, um, you know, it probably helps Cleveland a little bit just because they were coming out of having to play a wild card series and they had some long games. They had to use a lot of arms to get through that fifteen inning game. So getting this extra day of rest early in the series kind of helps them and sort of evens out the rest factor a little bit. Um, but it's interesting. There's there's definitely a narrative out there of Cleveland is the great pitching team and the Yankees are the are the Bronx bombers. The Yankees as a staff actually had a lower ERA than the Guardians did this year. Um, the Yankees pitching staff pitched pretty well, and that was with a Roldos Chapman really not doing a whole lot or being a much of a positive contributor for a lot of the year. So um, I think you know when you look at it, the Yankees certainly have the pitching to beat the Guardians. Um, but the Guardians, you know, any given day they have guys that can go out there and then shut a good team down. So. I think we're going to see, you know, a lot of low-scoring games. I don't think we're really going to get to uh, a situation where the Yankees go out and, and win a ten-nine game or anything like that. Um, we saw that in Game One, and I think it's going to stay that way the rest of the series. And you know, both teams are capable of winning this, but I, I do think it's notable the Yankees' pitching staff actually outperformed the Guardians' pitching staff this year while playing in a more hitter-friendly home park. It's something that's not being talked about enough, and I think that bodes well for the Yankees moving forward. But like I said, this extra day of rest helps Cleveland and the bullpen in particular, so it might even things out a little bit.
1: Hey, let me ask you a follow-up on that, because uh, that was kind of very surprising what you just said in terms of the ERAs of the uh, Yankees versus the uh, Cleveland Guardians. And I'm kind of thinking that might be the perception maybe because of how each team performed in the second half? You know, was that ERA aided by a really, really strong April and May for the Yankees, whereas Cleveland was kind of like, you know, mediocre, you know, struggling to be a 500 team? But their pitchers really came on in the second half. Do, do you think that is maybe why some of us are thinking that? And and is that advantage Cleveland since they're the hotter pitching staff? Or am I wrong, wrong with my assumptions there?
3: Yeah, I think it's a common, you know, misperception. I think people assign certain narratives to certain teams and assume they're good at something, and sometimes um, the truth is different than the narrative. The Yankees have pitched well, you know, most of the year. You think about it, going back to the beginning of the year, they were pitching well and hitting well. When they hit that really, really bad slump in the middle of the season, there, uh, you know, end of July through kind of early September, it wasn't the arms that were the problem; it was the offense that was the problem. Um, but they, they pitched pretty consistently well all year, and, and the Guardians, again, early on when they were struggling, I wouldn't even say they were struggling. They were more kind of a, an average team, and a lot of that was because they were still trying to find the right lineup balance. They had a lot of guys, you know, Fred Reyes or Lumiere was struggling. They DFA'd him. Um, it was when they kind of find the right balance, bring up a guy like Oscar Gonzalez middle of the year and, and guys hitting their stride. Um, that's when they really took off, and the Guardians finished the year 24-6 and six, at the end of the regular season. So, um, the Guardians were were a solid team that, that pitched well all year. It was more the offense kind of got it back together. And the Yankees kind of pitched well throughout the whole year too. So I think it's more people just make assumptions about what teams are based on the past, even if it's not really the case in a given year.
1: Now, Pop is a huge Dodger fan, so we're going to see if he can ask an objective question or not. But as a lead into that, I have to wonder, and this isn't necessarily a question I'm going to throw out a thought and maybe you could comment on it, Kyle, which is, before the before the season versus after the season. What I'm talking about is Kimbrell and Kenley Jansen. I kind of think that the Dodgers probably wish that they had re signed him. What what are your thoughts?
3: Yeah, I mean obviously there's no question. Kenley Jansen was more effective than Craig Kimbrell was. And, you know, we, we saw that a little bit. Kimbrell's been shaky for the most part, really, dating back to, to twenty eighteen or so. He's had moments where he was sharp, um, half season with the Cubs, but since he went to the White Sox, it wasn't good. That, uh, last year, I should say, he struggled with the Cubs before that. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think, and it's one of those things where, in hindsight, um, you know, the Dodgers, it, it probably would have made more sense for them to resign Kenley. But again, it just comes down to money, and, and it takes two. You know, maybe it was a situation where, you know, Kenley decided he wanted to do something different, and the Dodgers, you know, again, put their money in other places, signing Freddie Freeman. So. Again, there's all, all sorts of factors there, um, but there's no question you'd feel better about the back of the Dodgers bullpen with a healthy, effective Kenley Jansen at the end of it. Um, but at the same time, the Dodgers still posted the lowest bullpen ERA in the National League this year, even with Craig Kimbrel really, really struggling. They got contributions from guys like Evan Phillips and Alex Vesia and Yancy Almonte. I mean, they've kind of put together a little bit of a no-name bullpen that's um, still been really effective. So as ugly as some of the Craig Kimbrell outings were on the whole, the Dodgers bullpen is actually still very, very good this year.
1: So pop, what is as bullpen aside? What, what what What's on your mind? Padres and uh, Dodgers series. I'm
2: going to be honest with you. Uh, Dodgers got to score runs and, you know, I'm getting tired of Clayton Kershaw being the scapegoat for When the Dodgers lose a game, a guy came to me last night. Well, he gave up three runs. The Dodgers scored three runs. Then the bullpen gives up two more runs after that. But what happened, what really irritates me is the Dodgers left 10 men on, left 10 runners on base. And they were 0 for 8 when it came to runners in scoring position. They hit three home runs last night, but that's just been the Dodgers' pet peeve for like ever. In this stretch run, because I've literally been watching this Dodgers team since about 2006 very closely when Grady Little was the manager. You know what I mean? So I'm talking about Ethier and Martin and Kemp and all those guys when they came up as puppies. So I've seen the Dodgers go from being a team that barely hit home runs to a team that can do whatever they want when they score runs and a team that absolutely dominates pitching. They don't have one or two pitchers dominate and, and, and a good group. The Dodgers have everything that it takes to be a great team. But when you're great, you need games like that last night to wake you up. And the Dodgers just beat wake-up calls. They're, when the Dodgers lose, it's going to be a little bit more magnified than when, say, the Braves lose. You know what I mean? Because you want to see Philly win because Philly is a bigger market. But at the end of the day, though, you want to say to yourself, that the Dodgers are expected to win. And so when they don't win, you know, it's always it's going to be what happened last night. What happened last night is that the Padres scored 5, the Dodgers scored 3. It's playoff baseball. That simple.
1: So what are your thoughts about that Kyle? Are the, are the Dodgers not built very well for the playoffs? And and I say that with res, with res, all due respect to the Dodgers and how many games they've won, but you know, is it gonna if they if they don't win the World Series this year, uh, I'm gonna assume that we're gonna start hearing talk about like the Buffalo Bills comparison, the uh, Atlanta Braves comparison from the '90s. Is it, is it is it is it the way they're constructed? What are your thoughts, Kyle?
3: No, they're constructed. You know, totally fine to to go win a World Series. It just comes down to look going out there and performing. They have the most talent of any team in the field. They have A deep rotation. There's some guys that are hurt right now, not up to 100% capacity, but um, we'll see what Tony Gonsolin can give them in game three. But no, they have the best bullpen in the National League. They have one of the best starting rotations in the National League, and they have the best offense in the National League. This team is built fine. Um, this comes down to performance, and I think it's one of those things where people look at, well, what's wrong with the Dodgers? What did they do wrong? Give the Padres credit. The Dodgers hit some balls hard last night. Padres made some great defensive plays, especially Manny Machado over at third base. Um, the Padres bullpen came in. Robert Suarez was pumping 101 um, with you know, you know sinking, tailing, upper you know upper 80s, low 90s changeups. I mean, you know the Padres went out and won that game. It wasn't about the Dodgers blowing it or the Dodgers losing it. The Dodgers you know made some hard contact. The Padres made the plays. The Dodgers threatened. The Padres pitchers made big pitches in big spots. I mean. Again, I think the only thing you look at from the Dodgers' perspective and raise your eyebrows a little bit is when they pinch hit Austin Barnes for Cody Bellinger instead of using Chris Taylor or Miguel Vargas. Um, but again, you know the Dodgers have plenty of opportunities. I, I, to me, it's more credit to the Padres. They went out and won that game, and now the series turns to San Diego. Um, there's no inherent flaw in the Dodgers and the way they're built. They just just come down to playoff baseball and who performs better on that night. And Game One, it was the Dodgers. Game Two, it was the Padres.
1: Well, I think my question is maybe less with last night's game less in mind and more so, you know, 10 or whatever it is, division titles. And aside from a uh, COVID shortened season, we haven't seen them host that trophy. So th- that's kind of where I'm coming from. But the beauty of baseball is that every single series is, every single postseason is different, has its own theme, narratives, et cetera. But we'll we'll wait and see. I'll give the Dodgers another opportunity here before I put my foot in my mouth. If they do lose the World yeah. Series, it might be to this Astros team. To me, they're looking like the best, most complete team in baseball. And two guys that don't get nearly as much credit as they deserve are Tucker and Alvarez. I'm talking credit in terms of the national scene. These guys are legit power hitters and good hitters You know, just not not just power. They're like they're like Judge. Very good all around hitters. Thoughts about this Astros series. They just went up two games to none against Seattle, their division rivals. Um, Quick thoughts on on that last last series uh, for us to touch on.
3: Yeah, I mean, look, there's so much written and talked about the Yankees this year with Aaron Judge, you know, his pursuit and the hot hot start the team got off to. The Astros are the team that's the defending American League champions. They're the ones that have been the three of the last five World Series. They're the ones who have the best records in the AL this year. I mean, the Astros-Yankees, who's the better team? It's the Astros, and it's pretty open and shut case to this point. Um, you mentioned Jordan Alvarez. I mean, by any measure, he's of pure hitter. He was the second-best player in, in baseball this year behind Aaron Judge, just in terms of a pure offense. Otani, obviously, with what he did combined, gets the knot ahead of him. But... I mean, Jordan Alvarez, by any, you know, mention, is is has been one of the best hitters in baseball since he debuted in 2019. And, I mean, he's a star. There's no way around it. He's the type of guy you, you have to kind of think about giving the Barry Bonds treatment to and pitching around. But the issue with that is, you know, the Astros have threats up and down their lineup. Jose Altuve quietly had a, a big bounce-back year this year. Um, we've seen what Kyle Tucker can do. You know, has a lot, a lot of potential, and is still not fully tapped into it. And he's already, you know, in top 10, a lot of uh, categories in the, in the American league, and, you know, Jeremy Pena, a good rookie shortstop who came up. Um, and oh, by the way, Alex Bregman, who has struggled, but uh, had a big hit today. So the Astros team is very, very dangerous. And, and they're my pick to win the world series. Uh, I talk about their offense. They have the best pitching staff in, in baseball, um, American league or nationally, that starting rotation, they can run you know, six deep and they can compete with anyone. So that's kind of the behemoth, uh, in the American league field right now. And, I have a hard time seeing anyone in the AL field, taking them, taking them down. And, you know, once they get to the world series, if it's the Dodgers, it's going to be an Epic matchup five years after uh, the science stealing scandal in 2017, which I think we have to talk about when talking about the Dodgers and their, their quote unquote, you know, failures. They were cheated out of a world series. Then they've also shot themselves in the foot with some really poor pitching decisions. uh specifically in 2019, 2021. Uh, they tend to overthink their pitching, but if the Dodgers play it straight and aren't cheated out of a world series, you know, they should get there, um, and, and the Astros will potentially be right there waiting for them. Five-year anniversary of the 2017 World Series. It'd be pretty epic.
1: I was just going to ask you a question out the door here for you, Kyle, which was your prediction for the World Series. Sounds like Astros-Dodgers with Astros winning?
3: Yeah, that that is where I'm going with it. Um But, you know, it's going to be interesting. The Braves are are a really good team. I I think people are sleeping on this Potters team. It was not a shock they beat the Mets to anyone who's been paying attention to how good that pitching staff is. And, you know, 1-1 going back to San Diego. um, It's going to be a tougher out than than I think a lot of people think it will be for the Dodgers. So let me put it this way. I feel very confident that the Astros are going to be the American League representative. The nationally representative it's it's a closer call i can see the dodgers i can see the braves and you know the Padres with their pitching staff might be able to pull an upset and and go on a run here
1: man i really wish we would uh have an opportunity this postseason to see tatis and what he would do with with the padres but we'll have to wait till 2023 for that kyle thank you so much for joining us always love having you on uh maybe if you could Really quickly, give the listeners where they can follow you on social media, what you're working on currently, whatever you want to plug, uh, have at a call.
3: Yeah, I'm doing all of our postseason coverage for us at BA. I am um, covering the Poplars Dodgers series. I was there for games one and two. I'll be at three and four in San Diego and potentially game five back in LA. Um, everything is on baseballamerica.com. Uh, it's a great time to subscribe to the magazine, too. I have a couple of features in the latest magazine, including. Our Aaron Judge Player of the Year feature and our Julio Rodriguez Rookie of the Year feature, um, and I'm on Twitter at Kyle A. Glazer. So, BaseballAmerica.com, Baseball America, the physical magazine, and at Kyle A. Glazer, I'm, I'm there for all of it. You can uh, reach out to me anytime.
1: Kyle, thank you so much, man. Enjoy this postseason. Always love having you on with us. Thank you for your time,
3: bud. Yeah, my pleasure. Anytime, guys.
1: That is Kyle Glazer, Baseball America. He always delivers, like I said at the very beginning. He knows his stuff. He knows every single team in baseball. He's a Southern California guy. So, um, you know, especially Padres and Dodgers. But you could ask him about anything. He's got it covered. We've gone way long before taking a commercial break. So let's take a quick timeout, and we'll come back, wrap up some baseball talk, and get to what Pop really wants to talk about, which is the National Football League. Stay with us, everyone. We'll be right back.
4: Follow us on Twitter at Voice TRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's Voice America TRN.
0: Want to play the ponies and win? At Winning Ponies, we go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, and handicappers. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to Mike at the Mike Now, back to this week's program.
1: Big thank you to Kyle Glazer from Baseball America. Love having him on with us. He is one of the, uh, in my mind, the trifecta of baseball analysts that are out there. Of course, I'm talking about aside from the Harold Reynolds and the guys on the MLB network who get a lot of FaceTime. In terms of guys who cover the sport a little bit more under the radar. Kyle, of course, does jump on MLB show every once in a while as a guest. So does Eno. And, uh, of course, I mentioned Jerry Harrison Jr. We've had him on a bunch of times, and I'm sure Pop loves his Dodger analysis. But I guess at this point, if you were to have to come up with a redone prediction for the World Series, Pop, where do you stand uh, now that we have the advantage of knowing who the final eight are?
2: Um. I'm going to be honest with you. I want to eat Yankees-Dodgers, and I really want Yankees-Dodgers this year. I, I, it's going to make me really sad, though, if it's Yankees-Dodgers this year because, you know, my father passing away and everything on Monday, and, we, and him watching all the the Dodger games this year and watching all 111 wins, that would have been fun to sit there and watch that series with him, you know, because I never he had the opportunity to watch that a few times in the late 70s. I wanted to be able to – I've been waiting for years where I could watch the Yankees and the Dodgers. You know what I mean? And two of my two of the most heralded franchises. And hopefully we can get that World Series because if we get that World Series, baseball will get the ratings that it totally deserves for a great season that they had this year. But in reality, I think we're going to get uh, Astros-Dodgers, to be honest with you. And if the Dodgers don't make it, I'll set, tell you this. I'm going to throw a whammy out there. That would be the Padres making it because whoever beats the Dodgers wins the NL.
1: You know what's interesting about that? I had a gut feeling before the playoffs started that the winner of the Padres and the Mets series would go on to be the NL representative in the World Series. I, I, just, I just had that gut feeling in my mind because whoever toppled the other would have had really, really good confidence, you know, good momentum going into this Dodgers series. And although the Braves are the world champs and they deserve to, you know, be recognized as such, I don't know. There's, there's just something that tells me that they're not going to do it and I'm not really quantifying it in any certain way. You know, I just think that we've got the two best teams right now and you kind of have to throw out the records regular season records for each of the teams the win losses for each of those two teams the padres and the dodgers because i think there was a point pop where the padres realized and recognized that they weren't going to win the division so i'm not going to say they were coasting to the finish line because of course they were kind of sweating it a little bit with the brewers and the phillies right hot on their trail but i think it's kind of a little bit different i think you manage the team a little bit differently if you're bob melvin if you know that winning the division is just an impossibility so you could kind of really set up your bullpen a little bit differently. And not, that's not to say that the Dodgers didn't coast to the finish line, too, because on the flip side, there were so many games ahead, they knew they were going to win the division also. Uh, you know, <laughs> So I don't know. I, I guess I'd, I don't really know what the point that I'm making, except that whoever was going to win the Padres-Mets series was going to have huge momentum going into this Dodgers series where the Dodgers didn't really have any momentum since when? When was their last like momentum surge? You know what I mean? It's almost like they have to create their own momentum, which they could absolutely do. But I think heading to San Diego now, I'm really intrigued, man. I think if there is a team that's going to topple them, I think it's the Padres. I think if the Dodgers match up against the Braves, Pop, I think the Dodgers are going to get the revenge from last year and advantage Dodgers, especially with Freddie Freeman that's kind of my take on it so i i see what you're saying but i'm going to take it a little step further and say i think the padres actually may be the winner of the series man
2: well i know you just want to do that because you you're really not the biggest dodgers supporter mike and i know but you you, i know that you have to play devil's advocate but at the end of the day i just don't think that the padres have the big boy pants yet man
1: i i hear you've been saying that all year and you've been right and- so I, I can't I can't really say anything because y- you said that about the big boy pants when the Padres still had a chance to win the division and then everybody was like well when they get Tatis back right well that d- ended up not happening um, and the Dodgers just absolutely squished them I mean it wasn't even a contest for for the regular season but here's the one thing that I, that I will say. Yes, I'm not a huge, I'm not a Dodger fan. I'm not a Dodger hater either. But something I brought up with Kyle, I'm going to bring it up with you. At some point in time, that narrative is going to be a legitimate narrative, which is the Buffalo Bills, the Atlanta Braves of the 90s. You kind of have to, they have not, this group has not won a World Series in a uh, regular 162-game season. I mean, at some point, that's, it's got to be like the Dodgers are, are playoff chokers is going to be the conversation if they don't win this year. That's kind of my take on it. So it's not necessarily being a hater. It's more a matter of they need to win World Series, man.
2: Right. You're being realistic because ain't no, you're not going to get handed anything. But as I told somebody earlier today, Nothing comes easy. And I know everybody wants the Dodgers to swoop everything moving and beat everybody by five runs or better, but that doesn't exist. You know what I mean? These guys want to win as well too. And you know what? The Padres had a good game plan. And you know what? The, I would get tired of everybody saying, well, little brother, big brother, because there, there is no little brother, big brother situation with the Padres and the uh, Dodgers. Let's get that out the room now. It's more like, you play in San Diego, the Dodgers play in Los Angeles. It's that simple because at the end of the day, the Dodgers aren't – the the Dodgers, to me, the Padres don't have no rival. You know what I mean? The Padres haven't haven't done enough to have a rival. You know what I mean? They, they, they're they a team that the Dodgers are – that are in the Dodgers division enjoying the West Coast, Southern California uh, living. You know what I mean? And it's just that simple. At the end of the day, I know some Dodger fans and stuff. Blah, blah, blah. No, I've never really heard about the Dodgers and Padres ever having anything that was significant. They've had a couple of times where they were chasing the pennant against each other, but that's about it. You know what I mean? And that's a few times. It's really Dodgers, Giants, and then you know the Padres. You know you're you're there, but that's what makes the Padres that much more dangerous. Because if I will ever tell you this, a team that's always given the Dodgers. Uh, 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 tough, tough sledding in a sense when the Dodgers don't need it is the Padres. And the Dodgers have ran into the same situation they ran into last year. You're playing against a division opponent in the playoffs. And the Giants game, Giants series was 50 50. So when you play this series, you have to put it in your head that it's 50 50. Dodger fans everywhere need to, need to realize that part as well, too. And I've realized that part too because nothing is guaranteed in baseball. And that's why we love it.
1: I want to stick with the Padres for a quick second here. You know, when Kyle was talking about why teams shouldn't be sleeping on the Padres or when people, why people shouldn't be sleeping on the Padres, he mentioned the pitching staff. And of course their pitching staff is, is currently their strength, but I don't understand that. I don't understand why that is. It's like you have three all-star hitters in Josh Bell, Juan Soto and Manny Machado. I mean, they're all, Those are three of the top hitters in the game. But the rest of the lineup isn't like a bunch of chumps. I mean, Will Myers and Jerickson Profar and Cronenworth, uh, you know, Austin Nola. Why are they not scoring runs? I I don't understand it, man. Is it their ballpark or, or what? Have you seen anything which kind of answers that question? Because they should be scoring a lot of runs, man. That should be a really good lineup even without Tatis. What are your thoughts?
2: Well, the Padres, man, they just got the right player at the right time when they went and got the boy uh, Soto, man. And, uh, you know, Soto is a really good player, man. He's a guy that, that you can build with, you can build upon, and that's what makes it really, really fun to watch with him as well, too. But I think, though, at the end of the day, the Padres aren't going to have enough money to afford him unless they move uh, – unless they're telling us, uh, showing their hand, that they're going to move Tatis in the wintertime, which I will not be surprised uh, with as well either. So I'm thinking that the Padres have have done enough. They they got the spark at the end of the year when they knew they had to get into the playoffs because Philly was on a was on a tail tough. Um, who else was um, just, Brewers? Brewers just missed the playoffs. Brewers really, I had the Brewers in the playoffs, um, and they just missed the playoffs. So you know they they got into the playoffs kind of skinned their teeth. Then they ran into a really Mets team. I think if they would have ran into the Braves, the Braves probably would have ousted them. But they ran into a really Mets team at the time. And, you know, uh, Max Scherzer, I knew was going to be a dud in his his performance. And I knew that, um, you know, you would get something out of the ground. But my, I was worried about how they would operate in game three. And they went out there and they threw out uh, – I thought they were going to throw out somebody like Walker, Who's been very consistent in the spot all year, but they threw out Bassett instead. And so, and I know Bassett's been consistent as well, too, but I just thought that possibly Taiwan Walker would get to start in that game and kind of throw a monkey wrench at him a little bit. But I think that the Padres are in good shape. I'm gonna be honest with you. And if they didn't have to play the Dodgers, I would have them playing the Dodgers in the NLCS. Yes, the Dodgers and the Padres are the best two teams in the National League and it's showing up right now in that game last night.
1: Completely agree with you, Pop. Okay, let's take our final timeout, and we're going to shift the focus to the National Football League. Stay with us, everyone. We'll be back right after this.
0: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America.
3: Tune in to the Voice America Variety channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics,
4: reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership
0: This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to mike at the themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program. Just to wrap up the baseball talk, I had asked Kyle for his
1: prediction Pop, you kind of gave uh, gave us some thoughts about where you think this is going. Obviously the networks would love nothing more and the media would love nothing more than Yankees Dodgers, you know, East Coast, West Coast, two of the most legendary franchises, etc. I think we're gonna get out the Astros. So sorry, Yankee fans. I don't think that we're gonna see the Yankees in the World Series. And something just tells me that the Dodgers once again aren't gonna do it, but I like Dave Roberts a lot. I think he's a very underrated manager. And I think if we, when you look at the Dodgers lineup, especially with some of the newer guys like Trey Turner and, and Freddie Freeman, I don't think people realize how good of hitters these guys are. I mean, they're really, really good baseball hitters, offensive forces in the game. To me, I, I just think that some of the guys that were the fabric of the team for the last five to seven years, like Turner and Muncie and Bellinger. For whatever reason, man, they're just not playing to their MVP type levels. Uh, not even close. That And that to me is my biggest issue with the Dodgers, Pop. But I know we could talk about this all day. Um, I, I think the one th- sure thing in my mind, the one sure bet is the Astros to get there. And I think they do win the World Series because not just is their lineup really good, but like Kyle Glazer just mentioned, their pitching staff is pretty unreal. Um, It's not just Verlander. I mean, top top to bottom, I think their pitching staff is legit. But we got to talk a little NFL here, Pop. Um, I want to start by doing something I never do. Okay, Pop? I never do this which is to give myself a huge pat on the back. And I told you so type thing. I usually don't do that. It's just not my nature. I'm not really big on, you know, look at me, look at me, look at me type guy. But in our NFL preview show, which you were on with me, I made a prediction. And I should have actually teed up the soundbite for this. But it's there. If you guys want to go to pop and nice NFL prediction show before the season started, I predicted that the Dolphins would be having a good season. Yet, by week five, they would have Skyler Thompson be the starting quarterback. Do you remember that, Pop? Yep. And And I wasn't sure if it was going to be due to poor play by Tua or his injury history. But I felt that one of those two things would come into play. And I really like this kid, Skyler, as a quarterback. I think he's going to really surprise some people because this guy could throw the ball, throw it with accuracy. They have to give the job back to Tua. But it's always interesting when you see a guy put up some wins, such as Cooper Rush with the Cowboys. You know, do you put Dak back in there? Do you not put Dak back in there? People are always going to be like, oh, you got to put Dak back in there. He's the guy you're paying the money to or whatever. But then what if he comes back and he goes two and four out of the next six? You know, so that's the fascinating thing about the NFL, man. But like I said, I wanted to point out that prediction because I said that we would even get beyond Bridgewater and get to the number three. Here we are right now. Now it's his job to try to keep or try to make it really hard for McDaniel to put Tua back in, so just wanted to mention that, Pop. But unless you want to comment on that, we gotta start up with the Raiders, man, because they may be the best one and four team in the history of the NFL. Well,
2: real quick with the Dolphins, I don't think okay it's like a the rush situation because I think that the Dolphins really just played well because Tua and all the doubt of Tua and how they're kind of how they're they're structured, it, it worked. It worked. You know what I mean? Because it's, yep. it works. You know what I mean? But with this new setup, and you give up 40 to the uh, Jets, come on, dude. The defense is supposed to be the calling card. They get Seriously. It, totally agree. They gave 40 to the Jets. They're no good. It's just that simple. Dolphins had – sometimes teams just play on a high the first three weeks, and then you, you look at the first three weeks and then judge them after that. That's how I like to always judge teams after
1: – the first few weeks of the season, okay, but we, maybe the Jets are better than we think.
2: Yeah, or just simply this: the Jets are 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 good, have a high end offense. That's what I will I will say that they got some okay players there. and they don't have big names, but the guys can play because the scheme is right. Nobody's taking them seriously. Once they start taking the Jets seriously, then they're not going to be scoring as much.
1: Do you think they come back down to earth in in Lambeau Field this weekend against the Packers? Of course. All right.
2: So Dolphins was a uh, Dolphins was a uh, once again, Mike. It's a division win. When you get a big division win like that, because you you in the playbook. They call them plays that you already knew was coming, and that's just the the play calling of the Dolphins in that last game. That's all. That's that's what I'm looking at.
1: I hear you, man. Okay, let's talk about the Raiders.
2: All right, Raiders not bad one and four It looks bad on in the news and the paper but when your team loses by single digits each game and they had an opportunity to win again the, the raiders could easily be five and oh tim brown had a good point he said they started off four and oh during that super bowl season and then they dropped four games in a row you can't sit up in here and tell these teams that you know you can't sit up there and throw the season away after the first five weeks of the season i think that the raiders if anybody can get it back together the way that they've been playing these games, if they can start finishing, the Raiders can figure out a way to get into the, to sneak into the playoffs like they did last year.
1: Well, look, if they're going to do it, the time is now because quite candidly, they've got a, a favorable stretch of games where they get the tech, they got a bye week this week to heal up, strategize game plan for the Texans. And then a injury-riddled Saints team, Jacksonville Jaguars, Indianapolis Colts, who have the most anemic offense in the NFL right now. And then they get another team with an anemic offense, which is the Denver Broncos. Then they get the Seattle Seahawks. That stretch of games there, they legitimately could go, you know, four and two, five and one. And then they're right smack dab in the thick of things. You know what I mean? So – I think, and, and even after that stretch of games, the Chargers maybe just aren't as good as we expected them to be. The Rams aren't as good as they expected them to be. The Patriots aren't that great. The Steelers aren't that great. And then they have two tough games to wrap up the season with the Niners and the Chiefs. But because those are really tough games, they got to seize the moment with this stretch of games coming up here, Pop. It's an absolute must I know you got a lot of opinions on on, uh, on the Raiders and a lot of takes, but let's uh, let's keep it moving because we only have a few moments left here. Uh, what are some of the games that have piqued your interest for this upcoming weekend? And before you say that, let everybody know, if they want your selections, where they can get them, how they could follow you, and all that good stuff.
2: Guys, get on a Twitter, follow me at PopDbiasi, and I'll go ahead and I'll assist you with that. You guys can become members of the Primetime Sports Investors family. Um, the website will be back up in 2023, but right now we've got the end-of-the-year package. We also have the 2023 package as well, too.
1: You're kind of fading out, my friend. We can't really hear you.
2: Okay, I said that. Um, all right, so you can catch me at PopDBIC on Twitter, and then you guys can also go ahead and just hit me up, and I have the end-of-the-year package covering the NBA, MLB, and uh, college football and NFL for the rest of the year. And Also, we got NBA and college football. You know, basketball coming up and then if you want to go even further you can go ahead and join
1: yeah you've completely faded out now Uh, i don't know what's going on live radio folks that's kind of what happens technical issues are are part and parcel when you're talking about a live radio show here so we'll make sure to tweet out that information once again if you didn't catch it Um, i want to uh talk really quickly here about the best matchup of the weekend because we only have less than two minutes here which is the chiefs and the bills i think this is a really interesting game i'm shocked that the chiefs are underdogs at home they're two and a half point underdogs at home i can't believe it that's going to be my first play pop is the chiefs getting two and a half points at home i i'm still shocked by that point spread It's almost too good to be true. Sounds like they're trying to lure me in. I don't ever take the Thursday games because most people listen to this show after the Thursday matchup. So we'll try to stick to the weekend. I'm going to take an upset here. The Saints getting two points at home against the Bengals. I know everybody loves Cincinnati in this spot, but the Bengals just aren't as good as they were last year, simply put. So I'm going to take the Chiefs. I'm going to take the Bengals. We got less than a minute to go, pop. Do you have any uh, key games this weekend?
2: Game of the week: Philadelphia and Dallas Cowboys. Ooh! Sunday night football, and the Cowboys go ahead and get the win. So, Dez Bryant, go get that ten K ready, baby. It's plus two hundred.
1: <laughs> nice. That's that's hey, that's a good pick, man. Because Eagles are six and a half point favorites. That's going to be some good money line for you, folks. I would take. Pops's underdogs come in at a remarkably high rate. So I would take the six and a half to be safe on one bet, and then I would take the money line on the other bet, especially if you do some parlays. That could kick it up, make it a big payday for you guys. Pop, as always, thank you for joining us, man. My uh, my thoughts and prayers are with you and your family. I know it's a tough period, but if anybody could get through it, it's you, my friend. Always appreciate having you on. Check him out, Pop PopTBiase, on Twitter. That's all the time we have for this week's show. Thank you to Kyle Glazer. We will see you same time, same place. Thank you for listening, everyone. Enjoy your sports weekend.